Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. And bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. So thankful to, uh, to be blessed uh, by the Lord with the wonderful uh, gift of generosity, the wonderful gift of giving, and thankful that, uh, that when we do, that it brings such freedom into our lives uh, and brings the blessing of the Lord upon us. Aren't you also thankful uh, for the Word of God uh, this morning? I mean, my goodness, what a, a tremendous, uh, incredible a blessing and a gift uh, this this book is. I hope and pray that you are grateful for it. I hope and pray that you understand and realize what a miracle uh, that it is. I hope that it's not gathering dust uh, on your shelves, uh, but that it's uh, it's getting down inside of your heart and bringing forth a rich, abundant, beautiful uh, harvest. Uh, Joy and I were, were uh, talking the other day, messing around, uh, talking about the end times, talking about the rapture, and, and, uh, and we said that, we were just talking, and I said, well, when the rapture takes place, and people are all disoriented and, and don't know what's going on because of this great disappearance, and they come rummaging through our house looking for some food to eat or shotgun shells or something like that. I said, are they going to be able to find the Word of God in our house? Are they going to be able to easily see it? Are they going to see it on the walls and have it sitting there on the counter so that they can pick it up and be like, this is it. This is what they told us about. This is the book that, that they were speaking of and be able to find from the Word of God the truth about the things that are going on. I hope that this is not only in your home, but it's in your hearts as well. So before we move on this morning, let's just pray and ask the Lord to open our hearts and to plant His Word down inside of us uh, this morning because what we really need is the Word of God planted in our hearts, growing and bringing forth a harvest in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, we uh, love You this morning. We are thankful that You are a giver. And we are thankful for all of the many gifts that you have given. Lord, maybe at the top of the list, high on the list, is the Bible, the Word of God, this incredible gift that you have blessed us with. We thank you for it this morning, Lord. And we pray that as we look into it and as we study it, uh, that, uh, that you would speak to us through your word and that it would bring life to us, Lord, that you would strengthen us and encourage us. And we just, this morning, open our hearts to you, Lord, and we throw open our hands to you and we say, come, Lord, speak, uh, say to us whatever you need to say to us. If it's encouragement, bring re- encouragement. If it's rebuke, bring rebuke. If it's direction, bring direction direction. Lord, we're open to you this morning, whatever you want to say, uh, however you want to speak. We open our hearts and we ask, Lord, that as you 
plant your word in our hearts, that it would, that it would take root, that it would grow, that it would bring forth an abundant harvest in our lives. I pray for each and every one of us here and for all who will listen to this or who will watch it, uh, that the word of God will get down inside of our hearts and that it will bring forth a rich, abundant harvest in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I do want to continue this morning uh, to uh, talk about uh, the thorns. Uh, The reason this is such an important uh, conversation uh, is because in the parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus identifies these thorns as, as thorns that come and choke the Word of God and make it unfruitful in our lives. And this is unacceptable. We cannot have this in our lives. The Word of God must must not only be heard, it must be accepted and received. It must be allowed to not only put forth roots and grow, but allowed to grow all the way to the place of perfection, maturity, fruitfulness, so that that Word is bringing forth an abundant harvest in our lives. So what we're doing is we are identifying the thorns, And we are dealing with the thorns so that they are out of our lives, so that nothing is choking the Word, so that the Word can grow up and be fruitful in our hearts. We've been looking at at Mark's account of this in Mark chapter 4, and I want to look here again at Mark chapter 4 and start at verse 18, read over these scriptures again for us this morning so that they can get down inside of our hearts. You know, maybe just a little side note is how many, how many of you know that, that repetition kind of gets stuff in us. You know, if you want to you read the Word and read the Word and read the Word and read the Word till it gets down inside of you and is part of who you are and you can just think your way uh, through Scripture or even, or even have it perfectly memorized so that it just comes out of you exactly as it is written down. We want the Word of God in our lives. Remember the, uh, the, the, the story goes like this, that Jesus told a parable about a, about a sower and seed and different ground that that seed landed on. He identified four uh, different uh, areas that the seed landed. There was the road and the birds quickly came and, and stole it away. Now, there was the rocky ground uh, where the seed couldn't get any root and when it started to grow, and the sun came out, it, it scorched it and, and, uh, and, and withered it. And then there was the thorny ground where it grew up, but there were thorns that grew up as well and choked it out and made it unfruitful. And then there was a good ground that it landed on and brought forth an abundant harvest. Now, afterwards, after Jesus is done with the parable, the disciples came to him and said, you know, Jesus, we don't understand this. Can you explain this uh, to us? Which is probably a good thing for us to do as well. As you're reading through the scriptures and you bump into stuff that you don't understand, begin to pray and ask the Lord about it and see how he will speak and reveal to you the mysteries of the word of God. So Jesus begins, uh, 
to explain this parable uh, to his disciples and he tells them that the the road uh, is that the that the word that the seed is the word of God and that people are the different grounds and some are like the road where Satan comes and quickly steals that seed and takes it away so that it never has a chance to to grow at all and then some people are like the the rocky ground where they receive the word they hear it they accept it but it can't ever get roots down in their lives because of all these rocks and so whenever there's persecution or difficulty that they face in life for the word of God, that that, that word uh, is withered and, and perishes. And then uh, there are there are those that are that are the thorny ground. And I think that that probably speaks to a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of Christians uh, who who hear the word and they accept it, and the word is able to get root and to grow up. But it's but because of the thorns, it's not able to ever come to perfection. It's not ever able to come to completeness, to fruitfulness in their lives. So there's there's not this rejecting of the word and Satan hadn't stolen the word and it hasn't perished. It's accepted, it's heard, it's believed, it's even grown. But it hasn't come to the place of fruitfulness that it needs to come to. And and, and friends, uh, family, uh, beloved, brethren, saints, this cannot be. The Word of God is so beautiful and rich and powerful and needed in our lives that we can't allow it to not come to the place of fruitfulness. It's got to not only be able to grow in our lives, but come all the way to fruitfulness in our lives so that it's bringing forth a rich harvest. So in verse 18, Jesus starts to address uh, the, the thorny ground. Let's just read it here. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns that hear the Word, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire uh, for other things come in and choke the Word of God, making it uh, unfruitful. That just so disturbs me. That the Word of God can be choked out by these things so that it is not fruitful, so that it is unfruitful in our lives. And we cannot put up with this. I'm telling you, we've just got to get serious about these thorns that, that can so trouble us because of the fruitfulness of the Word of God and the need that we have for the fruitfulness of the Word of God. So I'm so thankful that Jesus just clearly identifies these for us so that there's not a ton of argument about them. He says it's the worries of the this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things, that these are the thorns that can grow up in our lives and choke the word of God and make it unfruitful. So now that, now that he has so clearly identified these for us, now we've been trying to not only identify them, but also deal with the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. And kind of the cool thing about this is, is that as we uh, learn how to deal with the worries of this life, what we learn about the worries of this life and dealing with the worries of this life also helps us with the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. And as we learn about dealing with the deceitfulness of wealth, again, also helps us with the worries of this life and the desire for other things. You get the point, that as we're learning truth that deals with one area of thorns, it's helping us to deal with all these areas of thorns in our lives. 
And as I've been saying, the more we deal with these and the more we chop them down and spray them with poison and kill them and burn them and keep them out of our lives, the more fruitful the word of God can become in our lives. And the more fruitful the word is, the less these can grow and trouble our lives. So one of the keys to dealing with them is to deal with them so that the Word of God can grow and to, and to make sure that we are you know, fertilizing the Word and pruning the Word and gardening the Word so that it grows to a place of incredible fruitfulness in our lives so that there's not anything, any area or room for these things to be fed or nourished so that they can grow and, and bring forth any kind of poisonous fruit in our lives. So we want to continue to deal with these because we want verse 20 to be our reality. I love verse 20. This is so beautiful. It is so life-giving. It is so needed. So many people read over this and and, and don't recognize how powerful this is and don't don't claim this verse as their verse and say, this is going to be the reality of my life. It's not going to be the road. It's not going to be the rocks. It's not going to be the thorns. I'm going to be this ground right here. I'm going to be 420 ground. This is going to be my reality. The Word of God's going to get down in me, and it's going to grow and bring forth a harvest. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the Word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown, that the word of God can get into our hearts, that we can be this fourth ground where it is heard, it is accepted, and it grows to the place of completeness, maturity, perfection, fruitfulness, to where it brings forth an abundant harvest in our lives. And because of the law The beautiful, wonderful law of sowing and reaping, the little bit of word that is sown within us, if it is allowed to grow up and bring forth a harvest, can produce 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown in our lives. So that when the word is allowed to grow, we can quickly come to the place where we are overflowing with fruitfulness from the word of God, where we are that tree that is talked about in Psalms 1, planted by rivers of water that's bringing forth its fruit in its season and whatsoever it does prospers, that we are overflowing with fruitfulness, even though there's only been a little seed planted, it brings forth an abundant harvest. All of us know this, right? You plant one little seed and the law of sowing and reaping says that that seed is going to produce more than what was planted. It's going to bring forth 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown in our lives. Now, I've told you this, said it before, but we've got to say it again because it's so wonderful and it's true. It's so wonderful and true that when this takes place, we are living by enjoying the fruit of the Word of God. We are living out what, what, what Deuteronomy says and what Jesus quoted in Matthew 4, that we don't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are living by the fruitfulness of the word of God in our lives. And when we do that, when we are eating of and enjoying the fruit of the word of God, and that is our life, that is what is nourishing us, that is what is guiding us, that is 
is what is strengthening us. That is what is defending us and protecting us. That is the light that we are being led by. What happens then is we come under the blessing of God. So now God's blessing is poured out upon us. So not only are we enjoying the fruits of the word of God, but we are enjoying the blessing of the Lord on our lives. Hallelujah. Again, makes me want to be like, hey, hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Man, I want to live under the blessing. I want to be nourished and strengthened by the fruit of the word of God. And Jesus tells us this story. He tells us this parable because we can be. Because this can be our reality to where the word of God is bringing forth a harvest in our lives and that is leading to the blessing of the Lord poured out upon our lives as well. So again this morning, I'd like to, I hope you'll please forgive me on this, but I would, this is so important to me that I would like to again deal with the second thorn that is mentioned, the deceitfulness of wealth. And then next Sunday, we'll, we'll move on uh, to the, uh, I think, <laughs> to, to the desire for other things. But let me, one more time, let's talk about the deceitfulness of wealth because this is so uh, troubling and because it is so uh, misleading and because it is so deceitful. How many of you know that it just kind of catches us off guard and any one of us can be quickly led astray by uh, these things? I was making fun last Sunday and talking about how I was you know, watching football and just being led astray by the commercials that are on uh, TV. It, it's so easy for that to happen, right? Because this is in front of us all the time. Everywhere we go is this declaration of wealth, 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 wealth. You need this, 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 you need this. I was perfectly happy until they showed me that and now I'm completely miserable because I don't have it and I've got to have it. Otherwise, I won't ever be happy again, right? And the deceitfulness is, and we should know this by the time you're my age, you know, but you still get led astray by it. The deceitfulness is when I get it, I'm still not happy. Right? How many times we got to experience that before we learn it? And here it is, if I get that, I'm going to be happy. And then when I get it, I'm not happy. Right? One, of, one of my Christmas memories, I've told you this before, but was to, all I wanted was the Voltron toy. You know, it was this big, it was all the lions, they all came together, you could take them all apart. It was completely awesome. I thought if I would get that toy, I would be happy forever. And when I got it, by Christmas afternoon, I wanted something else. I had played with it, and, and I wasn't happy with it anymore, and yet I didn't learn my lesson then. And still today, I can be led astray and deceived if I'm not careful to thinking that wealth will bring me happiness, that wealth will bring me abundant life, that wealth will bring me joy, that it will bring me peace, that it will bring me security. The deceitfulness of it is, is that it won't. And in 1 Timothy, Paul clearly identifies this for, uh, for Timothy, uh, but also for us as well. In 1 Timothy 6, we learn about the troubles of wealth, but we talked about that uh, last Sunday, so you can go back and, and, and you should maybe just take some time and just read through 1 Timothy, I mean the whole thing, but just read through 1 Timothy 6 and allow that word to get into your heart so that we are not deceived and led astray by the thorn that is the deceitfulness of wealth. That it is important to remember that wealth and riches are deceptive. Now I'm not saying that the wealthy are all deceived or that being rich is bad. Remember, it's not, 
right? But there is a deception that comes from wealth. And remember, if you desire riches, if you desire wealth, you desire a very dangerous and scary thing that has taken and led many, many people astray. Here again in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, Uh, Verse 17, we'll start here at verse 17. Uh, Paul speaking to Timothy, who is a a bishop of churches, uh, speaking to him, giving him this instruction and and how to speak to uh, the wealthy and the rich. He says this, Command those who are rich uh, in this present world uh, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That scripture needs to get planted inside of our hearts. It needs to be allowed to grow and bring forth a rich, abundant harvest in our lives because it is so easy and deceptive to desire to be rich and to put our hope in it and not to trust in God and to think that riches are going to provide everything for our enjoyment. But we see very clearly here that if we will trust in the Lord, if we will put our hope in Him, this is going to be a wonderful and powerful help to us not being deceived and led astray by the deceptiveness of wealth. And this beautiful reminder that not only does God richly provide, don't you like that? Richly provides, right? He doesn't just provide, he richly provides. Not only does he provide what we need, but also what we enjoy. Like serving the Lord is just good. It's fun. Like I get tired of hearing that it's not. And that people are like, well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm missing out on something by serving Jesus. And no, you're not. You're missing out on something by not serving Jesus. Serving the Lord is, is great. It's wonderful. It is filled with enjoyment, and it's a lot of fun. You know, young people think that, you know, I want to go have some fun first, and then I'll come and serve Jesus, right? I want to earn some money and, and have a good time and, and experience the world and, and, and sin for a little while is basically what they're saying. I want to sin for a while and have some fun, and then I'll come and serve Jesus. Let me just tell you, it's a dangerous road. It's a dangerous, dangerous road. You run down that road, many a people have gotten lost down there and never, ever, ever, ever come back. The time to serve Jesus is right now, and it's more fun to serve Him than it is to not. Again, I'd like to just say, mm-hmm, yeah, hey. I don't know why I started doing that, but praise the Lord. I mean, that's just my way of saying amen. Thank you, Jesus. Nobody will shout me down, shout myself down. Praise the Lord. Come on. Serving Jesus is fun. Not serving Him is not. Mm-hmm. You know, they used to like shake, shake hankies at you and stuff like that. There you go. Praise the Lord. Made me do a little head job like that. Where was I? Verse 18. Command them to be good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Remember, we came to this powerful help of generosity and we ended our time together by calling out on the Lord and asking him to help us to be generous and to be willing uh, to uh, share. And I want to come back to that again this morning in just a moment. I want to see I want you to see how all of this uh, comes around and I hope that you do. The Lord help me to communicate it. Verse 19, in this way they will lay up treasures 
for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We ended right there and pointed out that Paul here helps us greatly by defining for us the deceptiveness of wealth. Here it is. The deceptiveness of wealth is that in wealth we find true life. That wealth is the answer to truly living. That wealth is the answer to abundant life. That if we get a hold of wealth, we get a hold of life. That if we take hold of it, we have taken hold of abundant life. Wealth, riches, promise that they will bring to us abundant life. But it is deceitful. It is not true. And it is, and it is what, what happens is when People believe that and they finally lay hold of wealth. Although, does anyone ever truly lay hold of it? What do the rich want? Just a little bit more. What do they need? Just a little bit more. It's not a big enough house. There's not enough cars. There's not enough uh, you know, uh, food. There's not a, uh, enough whatever. I just need a little bit more. So you never really like, truly think you, that's the other deceptiveness of wealth. There's, it's just never enough. Right? I, if, if I just get a little more, that's going to be life. Right? But we already discussed that. We've already learned that lesson. That doesn't work. It doesn't happen. We're already old enough to realize that. This, he says to us, will help us that we will take hold of life that is truly life. So let's just get it out there. Let's just declare it. I know we know it, but we need to say it. And, and, and I need to say it to myself quite often because the deceptiveness of wealth is so deceptive and it is so out there and it is so appealing to our flesh, right? I'm not saying that you're facing anything or experiencing that I'm not facing or experiencing myself. The battle goes on, the fight continues, but let's just declare it that wealth does not bring true life and that true life, the life that is truly life, if we take hold of wealth, we have not taken hold of it. The life that is truly life is not found in money. Riches doesn't bring abundant life. It promises it, but it lies. It deceives and doesn't fulfill. I know we know that, right? I know we know that. We know it. But man, we've got to get it down inside of our hearts. Otherwise, we will run after it so that we can take hold of it. And when we take hold of it, we'll realize that it lied to us. And then we'll think, man, I just maybe need to take hold of a little more. And the chase will continue until we've taken hold of some more. And eventually, it takes hold of us. And when it gets hold of us, then it ruins our lives. It is not true life. True life, abundant life, where is it found? In Jesus. In Christ and in Christ alone. Isn't that a beautiful, freeing, directing truth that the true abundant life that God has given us a desire for in our hearts is only found in Christ and in Christ alone. He said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly, and he, we know, is faithful and true. And when we come to Jesus, and we take hold of him, and he takes hold of us, we realize that we have just found the life that is truly life. 
and I want that for me, and I want that for you, and I certainly want it for my kids, and I want it for all those kids that are back there, and every one of you teenagers are here, who are here in this room, and everybody else that I know, because it is wonderful to have taken hold of, and had been taken hold of by the life that is truly life. Abundant life is found in Christ and in Christ alone. So what should we go after? Riches? What should we go after? Jesus. What do we need to know? Money? Who do we need to know? Jesus. Because in Jesus, we find abundant life. Let me just remind you quickly of of some of the desires uh, the, the truths of abundant life that we desire that are, that are promised by money, but it's a lie, but that we truly find in Jesus. Abundant life uh, looks like this. It looks like freedom. It looks like fruitfulness. It looks like beautiful friendships, beautiful uh, relationships. Money claims that it, can, that it can bring freedom, but it cannot Money claims that it can bring uh, fruitfulness and meaning, but it cannot. Money claims that it will bring uh, beautiful friendships and relationships, but it uh, will not. It, it, it falls short and is deceptive in every area of abundant life. But in Jesus, we do find freedom. And in Jesus, we do find fruitfulness meaning, uh, fulfillment, and in Jesus we do discover and find and have relationships that are beautiful and life-giving and life-changing relationships. In Jesus uh, we find abundant life, freedom, uh, fruitfulness, uh, friendships, relationships, all these things that we desire that are fruits of abundant life are found in Christ and in Christ alone. You know what else is found uh, in Christ that money uh, cannot bring is eternal life. Can money buy us into eternity? Can we stand before the judge of all time and all things and, and, and all uh, persons and, and buy our way in uh, to, the, to the pearly gates, as they would say, uh, usher us in uh, to our eternal home? Money cannot, only Jesus can. It is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is knowing Jesus that brings abundant life. If you are in need of freedom, money's not going to do it. Now, money may buy you out of some man-made prison, but it lacks any power or value in freeing you from the things that really enslave you. If you need freedom this morning, if you need freedom uh, this morning, freedom is only found in Christ and in Christ alone. Taking hold of riches is not going to do it. Taking hold of Jesus' will. Jesus can set us free. Money cannot if it's meaning and, and fruitfulness and, and, and value that you're looking for in life, that we all are, money cannot bring that. Now we can, in Christ Jesus, use our money to help, but money and, and riches in and of itself is not going to bring about a fruitfulness and, and, a, and, a, and a value and a meaning to our lives, obviously. And if it's friendship you're looking for, money's not going to do it. Money's not going to bring about uh, friendship. It's not going to bring about a beautiful relationship. Although Joy always tells me that she married me for my money. 
<laughs> of course, if you, saw, if you saw the truck I was driving when we were dating, you'd know that's not true. <laughs> We'd go out to eat and she wouldn't hardly order anything because she didn't think I could pay for it. <laughs> good times. I got a, I got a good paying job when we were, pretty good paying job when we were when we were dating, or maybe just early engaged there, and we went out to eat, and she ordered like a real meal. I was like, what? What is going on here? My goodness. She felt like I could pay for it then. Hmm. Money doesn't bring us to abundant life. In money, we don't find the life that is truly life. We find it in Christ and in Christ alone. It is knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus. I ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Because it is in Him that we find life, not in riches, not in wealth. So this you know, powerful key to, uh, to dealing uh, with the thorn of the deceitfulness of wealth is the seeing of Jesus. It is the recognizing that He is all that I need, that He is life, that He is the only holy, worthy Lamb of God, that He is the promiser of abundant life, and that He is faithful, and He is true, and it is pursuing Jesus to know him and recognizing that nothing else matters. This is why Paul in Philippians 3 said, I, I now consider everything loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. He said, he said, life, abundant, rich, everything that I need is found in Christ and in Christ alone. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run after all these other things to take hold of them. I'm gonna run after Jesus to take hold of him and to take hold and for him to take hold of me and then Paul goes on to say that I that forgetting what is behind I press on toward that which is ahead in order to lay hold of the high call of God on my life for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me he said Jesus has taken hold of me I want to take hold of him and, and to know Him and be known by Him because that is where life is found. Now, I wanted to back up here to verse 18 and because I think that, that generosity has a, a lot of help in this that, that where Paul says to us to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing uh, to share that that there's such a wonderful uh, truth and such a wonderful connection uh, between knowing Jesus and being generous that I wanted to show you this morning that I, that I think as we know Jesus more and more, evidence of that is generosity. But as we are generous more and more and, and we grow in generosity and become more generous, more giving, that, the evidence, that, we, that we grow deeper in knowledge and in relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says in Philippians, 
Romans 3, that he says, I want to I know him. And he says, I want to I know the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. I want to know that there's this relationship and this fellowship that comes from walking with Jesus and, and living like Jesus lived, that, that as they do life with him and together as he did life, so that so like as Jesus was generous, we are generous, and there's this knowledge of him and this fellowship with him and this relationship that, that comes to a different level in him. As we are gracious like he was gracious, and kind like he was kind, and forgiving like he was forgiving, and generous as he was, uh, forgive, as he was uh, generous. Now, in uh, 2 Corinthians 8, um, we kind of bump into these, to these truths. And I wanted to, to read down through this and and share this with you because it, it speaks of giving in a very uh, interesting way and, and speaks to us about uh, generosity and, and, and riches and, and, and being rich in, in generosity and, and being gracious uh, in our giving and the grace of giving. Listen, listen to this uh, passage of scripture that Paul is, is writing here to the Corinthian church. He says, and now, uh, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Right as I read that, I had to read it again because it doesn't really make sense, does it? Did you catch all that, the difficulty in there? Right, their overflowing joy and rich generosity is coming out of extreme poverty and severe trial. Isn't that interesting? It kind of speaks to this deception that we that we can easily be deceived of or, or by. Uh, that 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 is that that everything's got to be going okay, and that we've got to have enough money to be rich in generosity. But we know that's not true, right? You remember the story in Mark where Jesus saw the, the widow with the two mites who came and threw in everything that she had and Jesus said how much she had given, that she'd given more than the people that were actually giving more than she had given as far as money goes. So, so you know, a deception is that I'm going to be generous when everything's going well and when I've got enough money to be generous. But here Paul says that there's a grace that has been given to the Macedonian church that in the midst of severe trial, they have an overflowing joy. There's this incredible pleasure and happiness and joy that they have to be rich in generosity and that out of extreme poverty welled up rich generosity. So out of severe trial and extreme poverty wells up rich generosity. Now they were uh, from what I can uh, figure out and study, they were, they were in the midst of, of civil war and it had been going on uh, for a long time and so this had created you know, very severe trials uh, for them and had also brought about great poverty because of this civil war uh, that, was, that was taking place that, that is you know, pretty complex. It was between a lot of different people whose names are hard to pronounce, so we'll just save that 
for another time. But, but out of that, uh, Paul says, comes this rich uh, generosity. Now that, now that doesn't mean that, that here comes this incredible amount of money that they are going to give to the church. But what it means is that they are, they are giving out of trial. They are giving out of poverty, giving such an amount that it is difficult for them, that it, that it hurts to give, that it's a suffering to give. You know, it's that, it's that kind of gift that you give when you write the check and you're like, oh man, God better show up. He better help. He better provide because that's, that's more money right there than I've got. And we're already going through some stuff and in the middle of, and, and we're not, you know, as wealthy as we ought to be. And then they give out of that. They give this rich generosity and, 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 and just, you know, to get ahead of myself because I can't hardly help myself. It's when we do this. That we enter into this, I hope I can, I hope we can just see this, that we, that we begin to know Jesus like we haven't known him before. That it leads us to see him like we haven't seen him before. And, and the more we see him, the more we know him, the less, the less we are deceived by riches, the less we are deceived by wealth the less we are deceived by the things of this world. You see, Paul had this revelation of Christ and it was growing and growing to the point where he's saying, man, I look at Jesus and I see him and nothing else compares. That's why I don't, I'm not worried about laying it all down and leaving it all behind because there's nothing like him and living for him and serving him and the rewards that are gonna come to me because I have lived for him and followed after him and have known him and and. And as we see him more, all this other stuff is less and less and less. All those commercials on TV are like, I don't need that. I just need more Jesus. How's that song go? Just a little more Jesus? I can't get it right in my head, or otherwise I'd sing it out here. Maybe that's the Lord helping you. Mm. This, if we can see it, helps us to know Jesus it's, it's, it's the fellowship of sharing in his suffering so, then, so that when out of your trial and out of your poverty and out of your difficulty there is overflowing joy and rich generosity, then what comes out of that is you having a deeper knowledge of Christ and who he is, you entering into deeper relationship with him. And when, and when you're entering into relationship with him, man, nothing else matters and and out of out of out of that relationship with Christ then comes rich generosity it's like they're it's like they're both working together to support one another you, you know you remember when you fell in love with your husband or you fell in love with your wife and 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 money was no object everything else was less than that relationship you're willing to give up everything for for that relationship and, you know, hopefully still are. <laughs> I said, you remember when? You know, it's still that way. Mm. So Scripture continues. Here, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That's that, that's that trying, uh, difficult, uh, sacrificial uh, giving, that, that rich uh, generosity. And when we have that, man, I'm telling you, that, that thorn of the deceptiveness of wealth is, 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 not, what it, is not what it could be to come, is, is cut down and killed. And, and this helps us to, to know Jesus more. 
even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. What a revelation of generosity. What a revelation of giving. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I like that. This grace of giving. The grace of giving. That's why it's so important to share this with you. You people who are excelling in everything, who excel in faith and, and speech and knowledge and in complete earnestness and, and in the love and, and, and to share with you, because you also excel in the grace of giving, but to share with you to continue to excel in this grace of giving and to grow in the grace of giving. And as you grow in the grace of giving and give out of grace with that gift that, that you will work powerfully to cut down these thorns and to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Next verse, verse 8. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. That Jesus has already led the way in this, that he has already been our example of suffering, that he has already been our example of rich generosity. And when we join with Jesus in this and we share with him in the grace of giving, in this rich generosity, that we begin to know him and see him like we have not known him or seen him before. Now just... To remind you of this, Paul writes about this in Philippians 2, and I want to read that to you, even though Joy read it to us this morning, like for us to read it again. You get a double dose. We must have needed to hear this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, or, or the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God uh, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus suffered. He sacrificed. He uh, richly, generously uh, gave, poured out uh, his grace 
so that, so that we might be saved, so that we might be changed, so that we might find life and that more abundantly. And Paul says that when we share in the fellowship of his suffering, when we are, when we are generous and have rich generosity, even coming out of trials and poverty, even if we, you know, really are something and we've got to make ourselves a servant and humble ourselves and, and give as Jesus gave, then what takes place is the, the, the riches of wealth, the deceptiveness of riches and the deceptiveness of wealth are cut down in our lives and we kind of hit it with the double dose of generosity and the knowing and seeing of Jesus. And as we know and see Jesus, it brings about more generosity. And as we are more generous, we know and see Jesus more and more. And these two work together to destroy the deceptiveness of wealth in our lives. And the result is the Word of God is able then to also flourish and grow and bring forth fruitfulness in our lives. I know it's maybe... I don't know, maybe it's just difficult for me to communicate it. Maybe you're clearly seeing it. But all these things begin to work together in our lives to bring about the will of God, the blessing of God, and to change the lives of others. Really, because we are, because we are becoming generous people and giving and being richly generous no matter what we're going through or what we are facing, we are learning and knowing and seeing Jesus more The Word of God is growing up and becoming fruitful in our lives. All of this bringing about the blessing of the Lord upon us and helping us to not be led astray by the deceitfulness of wealth. All of this coming out of the grace of giving, coming out of rich generosity. So let us be generous, generous people. You say, Pastor, I don't know, man, I'm really going through some stuff. Don't really have the money I used to have. I understand that. I understand that. And it's not about it's not about it's not about giving tons of money. It's about being rich, being generous, and having your hope and trust in Jesus. I've never ever heard anyone who who was who was uh, rich in generosity who regretted it and 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 weren't filled with joy and peace and hope because of it. And you find those. I challenge you go find some people that are that are generous, rich in generosity, and I almost guarantee you're going to find some people that have a unique, special, deep revelation of who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. So this morning, I'd like us to close in, 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 in prayer. And what I'd like for us to pray again this morning is, is to be generous. But, you know, just kind of in line with what we've been talking about, just to, just to pray that this word of generosity and being, being uh, filled with the grace of giving and having rich generosity, that it would get inside of our hearts and grow and bring forth a harvest in our lives. Can you imagine what will take place in us if just the seed of this word of generosity gets into our hearts and brings forth a harvest 30-fold? What will take place if it brings forth a harvest 60-fold? What in the world would take place in our lives if it brings forth a harvest 100-fold in our lives? Let's pray this and just open up our hearts to the Lord 
ask him to plant this word within us. Lord Jesus, we just open our hearts to you this morning. We ask, Lord, that this, this word that comes right from Scripture about being generous and rich in generosity and, and, and being, being gifted with the grace of giving, we pray, Lord, that this word would get down inside of our hearts, that the enemy not be able to steal it, that, that nothing would keep it from getting deep roots, Lord, that there wouldn't be these thorns of, of worry and, and, and deceit and, and desire for other things that would come and choke it, Lord, but that it would be able to plant and, and get down deep and, and grow and bring forth a rich harvest that had come to the place of maturity and perfection. Lord, let this seed of generosity get in us and bring forth a rich abundant harvest in our lives. Make us generous people, Lord, that we would follow your teaching, that we would follow your example, that we would not only receive the grace of, of, of the gift of God, but that we would have the grace of giving and that it would flow out of us and we would be givers, that we would be rich in generosity, Lord, no matter what we're going through, what we're facing, how much money we have or don't have, let us be rich, Lord, in generosity. Let us be givers. And as we do, Lord Jesus, I pray that, that, that you'd open our eyes to see you more clearly and to know you more deeply and that we would know you, Lord, that we would, that we would learn who you are and see you better as we share in your suffering, as we share in your generosity, as we share in your giving. Let us know you deeper and see you more clearly, Lord, because as we do, I know that all the things of this world will just pale in comparison to who you are. Make us generous, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name, and lead us to know you. In Jesus' name, Lord, that we would know that we know that we know that in you is found abundant life, and we would not be deceived or led astray by anything else. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this morning, all of you here and all of you watching online or whoever may be listening, if you don't know Jesus, today is the day to know Him. He's calling you right now to enter into relationship with Him. All you've got to do is open up your heart to Him and, and call out on Him and give Him your life. And if that's your desire this morning, you just want to enter into relationship with Jesus, enter into abundant life and eternal life, I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. Amen. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If that's your desire, all you watching online, I just ask that you just raise your hand wherever you may be. Or maybe you're driving in the car that you keep one hand on the steering wheel, but raise up the other one and just declare right there in the car that you want to know Jesus and live for Him and Him to be your Savior and your Lord. If that's your desire, then let's just pray together. Everyone just repeat after me and just pray this prayer uh, from your heart. Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. Your goodness, your kindness, your love, your salvation. Lord Jesus, I believe that I will find in you not only eternal life, but abundant life. I open my heart, ask you to come in, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Change me. Help me to live for you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's uh, fix our eyes on Him and live for Him with all that we have. Let's cut out these thorns and burn them and destroy them so the Word of God can be fruitful in our lives. Let's start right now. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. It's a beautiful one. Uh, Have a great uh, week, and I'll see you back here Sunday. God bless.